This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hello, I'm Taylor the Bird Michelle. And I'm Kami Kiwi Okamura. And welcome to Kiwi and the Bird, Book Nerds in Session, where we give glowing book reviews and dive deep into the stories we read. We score the books we read on a unique scale of one to seven. One means literal trash. Seven means fangirl mania. And all the levels in between have some sort of book pun in the title. If you like our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the series and follow us on social media at Kiwi and the Bird. And now, on to the show. Welcome to our second episode of Kiwi and the Bird, Book Nerds in Session. I'm Taylor. I'm Kami. And in this episode, we are going to go into an in-depth discussion about the one and only The Wrath of the Dawn by Renee Adia. Now, we have already talked about this book. We just did a review about it, and we're going to discuss it now. So this is your one and only spoiler Spoiler alert. alert. Kami, will you give us a spoiler sound effect? Guys, Kami and I have been dying to talk about this book. We've been texting nonstop, but we've had to hold out until we could talk about The Wrath and the Dawn in this episode. Our self-control is amazing. I am so proud of ourselves. Usually we just tear through things. We have no self-control when it comes to books. In our texts, it's so funny because we almost slipped so many times just trying to discuss it. Yeah, we had to keep each other from talking about it and it was so hard. But we have saved the best of the best for you guys today. The very first thing that I wanted to talk to you about was how you thought, what you thought about the relationship between the love triangle. It was the love triangle between Khalid, Tariq, and Charlotte. Katie, I have literally been dying to talk about this to you for so freaking long. Okay, my favorite chapters are in the book are when Tariq arrives to the palace. <gasps> yes. Because... As soon as Shahrazad was sitting on the balcony, looking down at all the people arriving, and she saw his silver eyes, Tariq, I was like, let's go. This is game time. I can't wait. My heart is pounding really hard. Kami, I was, I felt so alive. And every single moment the three exchanged were some of my favorites because there were so many secrets. There was so much intensity behind every single interaction. You know, when he approaches her during the celebration and he's like, oh, I'm Tariq, you know, and I'm going, we know who you are. We know, (laughs) we know, and we are dying to meet you. And the secret meetups and Tariq stumbling upon them, Khalid and Shahrazad while they're embracing, you know, his heart breaking. I was just invested in every single second. It was my my favorite chapters. My favorite block in that book was when the three of them were in the one palace. Oh, that was, oh my gosh. That, the tension. Like, you wouldn't think that there would be so much tension behind so little interaction. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that's actually one of my favorite parts. I reread that part over and oh. over again. That's the one thing that you wanted. You wanted to see Khalid, Tariq, and Shahrazad all in the same room. And when that happened, it was... It was amazing. Like I literally, I, I had, I read, read it over and over again, just so that I wouldn't miss any of the details. Every single moment was just, it was milk to its fullest degree, and 
what I loved too was that when Tariq first came, he's he's thinking, you know, this boy King sucks. I hate this guy. He's he's old, which he's only 18, <laughs> but he's old, he's like a camel, he doesn't talk a lot. And then the one scene where he stumbles <gasps> upon Khalid and Shahrazad. And Khalid reacts because he hears a sound and, you know, he shoves stars out behind him. He gets his swords out. I love how then Tariq goes, okay, I need to readdress some things. I need to. That's actually one of my favorite Khalid moments because he was just like, he was just on it, man. Yeah. He, like mm-hmm. the way that she described it made him sound so sexy too. It was the sexiest thing alive. But what I also loved about the hug and i know we've been talking about the hug a lot but because i felt like it was just such a good intense moment in the story was that afterward khalid and Tariq are walking back to the hunt to go back and participate and through the conversation there they have khalid goes okay i need to look into this guy and i need to see what's going on here he's looking at Shahrazad in a way that's more than just infatuation that's more than just simple attraction and Tariq at the same time is making these veiled comments saying oh I'm about to be engaged with the love of my life and he's talking about Shahrazad but obviously Khalid doesn't know that but I know that Kami (laughs) and it is setting myself I I'm bursting at the seams I love the fact that she put that in Khalid's perspective because Mm -hmm. the way that like Tariq makes those like veiled comments is just just okay just the build-up for me, it's the fact, also the fact that Tariq went and snuck and saw her in mm-hmm. her room before the hunt. Yeah, before the hug even happened, Tariq went and saw her. Yeah, and like he was talking to her and like he could see that she was kind of hesitating mm-hmm. on whether or not she should, you know, leave the castle. And then there's a scene, the, the scene where he kisses her and she's like, yeah, I automatically went into it, but... Something felt different. He's like, I put my heart out here, Shahrazad, <laughs> and you did not return it. <laughs> now, in the next chapter, Tariq is thinking back on this moment, and he, he's thinking, it was unlike her to be so cagey and distant. It was also unlike her to be so concerned with safety. It was also unlike Shahrazad to hesitate about anything, and she had hesitated last night. When he said he loved her on the balcony, she hesitated in her response. Then, when he kissed her, something was wrong. He could feel her thinking, feel her questioning, feel her wanting something else or someone else. It was driving him mad. The fact that he could feel that through a single kiss, though. But I think you would. I feel like you would sense uh, an internal dilemma, that you would sense indecision. You wouldn't perhaps feel... Because here's the difference. If Shahrazad never fell in love with Khalid and Terry came in to save her... She would kiss the living daylights out of him, you know? Yeah, yeah I could see but that. But she didn't. And poor Tariq's like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I did, I will say, I did feel bad for Tariq. I did. I did. I was like, I really love the, the, the romance between Khalid and Sharzad. But I, like, at the back of my mind, I was always like, but what about Tariq? What I loved about Tariq is that I respected him so much and I think he brought such a perspective to the story because he is kind of a reminder of the of what this looks like on the outside. There's this boy king literally murdering girls 
Of course he's going to be thinking, what the heck is yeah. going on with the showers off? I really appreciated that because usually the second love interest doesn't really have a good reason. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have a good reason for wanting to protect her other than the fact that he's being possessive. Mm-hmm. He, They're typically like that and you don't really... You don't really connect with his character and you don't really like him because of that. But for Tariq, it makes sense. He's like, this guy has been killing girls. He killed one of our best friends. Mm -hmm. What are you doing with him? Because even as a reader, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the romance. But Tariq reminds us what's really happening. I love Tariq. I loved reading about his perspective. I loved thinking his thoughts and... What I think is so genius about these chapters that we've obviously been raving about for quite a bit is that there's so much background knowledge that only the reader knows and the characters at present don't. I think that's what's so ingenious about it because we know Tariq loves Shahrazad. We know Shahrazad has had such a history with Tariq. We know they are both, in a sense, trying to kill Khalid. And here Khalid is going on a hunt thinking nothing about it. And I think that's what makes the scene so powerful and intense is because while the characters don't know everything, we do. I think, yeah, adding on to that was the fact that, yes, Khalid doesn't know about Tariq and Shahrazad at that point. But Tariq also doesn't know about Shahrazad and Khalid Mm -hmm. and their connection. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, he isn't some monster who's just doing this out of brutality. Mm -hmm. He's doing this for a reason and Tariq doesn't know that. That's why I think, like you said, she created such an interesting tension between Mm -hmm. her characters. I think a very masterful tension. Couple things. Not a couple. Several things I wanted (laughs) to talk about. The first one was the scene in the outdoor market. The setting of which she goes into it planning to kill him. And ends up kissing him instead. That That was a steamy kiss. And see, the thing is, I think this this scene was definitely a turning point for Sharzad in particular mm. in terms of her relationship with Khalid. Well, I think she even thinks, if I recall correctly, like Khalid said, this kiss changes everything. Yeah, I think that's the last line in mm-hmm. that chapter. And for me, I say Sharzad specifically because I think for Khalid... The fact that he even just agreed to that, mm-hmm. to agree to go to this outdoor market with her without any guards, without any of that, that was kind of a turning point for him because even though he doesn't know why she volunteered, he still trusts her enough that they, they go. Which is funny because he shouldn't. He because shouldn't. She, was, she was debating killing him the entire trip. The entire time. And then she ends up making out with him, which I honestly, I, I don't blame her for that. No. But... You know, they're, they're in the souk, and he's thinking, oh, she's so pretty. Do, do you think she likes me? And she's like, okay, should I use the sh- poison sugar cube to kill him? Or should I, <laughs> should I, or should I shoot him with a bow and arrow? That was made from a child. Option A, option B. And just the trust involved and just, like, her deliberation on whether or not she's going to kill him, whether or not, like, she has, like, she knows she has the opportunity but whether or not but she's going to do it. does she have it in her to do it? Yeah, and then ultimately she doesn't. And then they just make out. Sharzad straight up shoots a dude through the wrist with an arrow. And Khalid's like, that's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> 
One thing I also wanted to discuss was Sharzad's, I'll, I'll say journey in loving Khalid. So for me, there was this one scene where Khalid finally tells her about the curse mm -hmm. and why he's killed so many people. And he tells her the story of his first wife, Ava, and basically that his, her father took revenge against Khalid because he blamed him for what happened to her. Mm -hmm. And I think, I'm not sure what the line was, but it was basically something along the lines of revenge isn't going to give me what I want. Mm -hmm. You know, revenge isn't going to give me back Shiva or all of this. And she comes to this realization. I kind of wish that the author had kind of foresighted to that realization. Does that make sense? In the sense Before that she needs to let her, her want for revenge go? Kind of, yes. So I like the fact that she's like, she slowly starts to start loving Khalid and she's like, no, this can't happen. And she struggles with it because mm -hmm. she's like, he killed my best friend. Mm -hmm. And she like, there's no way she can deny that. And then I kind of wish that when she finally accepts her love for Khalid, that's kind of like the mentality that she would have. That revenge isn't going to give me what I want. So are you saying that she didn't really have that with that when she said, oh, I love you, Khalid? Mm-hmm that you didn't feel like she had really let go of what she came here to do, that yeah. the idea of revenge, she never really relinquished, you know? Kind of, like she didn't have the idea of, I can love Khalid because revenge isn't gonna give me what I want. Mm -hmm. Killing him won't do anything. Maybe, and of course I can't speak for the author, this is just merely my own speculation, mm -hmm. but that in telling Khalid she loved him, that, in a sense, was a de declaration of, I'm letting the revenge go. Yeah, I kind of wish that the author had, like, described that a bit more, though. Mm. Because for me, I was like, yeah, you can love him and everything, and I love the romance. But I wish that there had been more, like, yes, love can be a reason, but I don't, like, I wanted something else. You wanted her to actively think of letting it go. Yeah. Okay, I could see that. Speaking of Shiva, though, or Shiva, the best friend who Khalid killed. Yes. It was interesting to me because typically if you have someone who has died in a story that the audience didn't have a chance to know, you often get a lot of information or at least memories on that person. But with Shiva, you're actually not given a lot about who she was. You're not. Mainly the biggest contributor to her... A testament to her character was the letter that Khalid wrote where he said she smiled at me she gave forgave me for no reason and it was interesting to me because I was still invested in the story even though I didn't know the reasons why I did not I did not live through the memories of Shiva with Shahrazad but I was still willing to essentially fight for Shiva for me I think that was a really smart idea on the author's end just because if you did have this background on this character and you knew her as a character instead of just someone who's mentioned mm -hmm. you wouldn't be okay with the romance between Charizard and Khalid. If you don't mind I was hoping if we could pull away a little bit because this is this was an inquiry I had while I was reading. Sure go ahead. And it's regarding this curse you know that Khalid has been cursed he has to kill 100 is that 100 girls 100 girls. he has to ultimately kill 100 girls or basically his land will suffer you know 
the waters will dry up, yeah. people will die, there will be starvation, you know, all these sorts of terrible things. Now, there was one part that confused me because when Shahrazad is shooting arrows with Jalal, they're the having, second time or the first the time? The second time. Okay. They're having the conversation where every time they hit a mark, you know, one of them has to ask, ask a question, et cetera, et cetera. What confused me and what led me to believe the plot was going in a different direction was that it rained during that scene. Yes. And one of the biggest conditions of, well, one of the most mentioned side effects of the curse is that the lands will dry up. So then I became confused because I'm going, okay, Shahrazad's still alive. It's been more than one day. It made me think the curse was weakening or that Shahrazad was Khalid's soulmate. I actually think that there's a reason for that and it doesn't have to do with the curse. So my theory on why that happened is it's a parallel to Ava and her father and the whole and Khalid's whole story mm -hmm. of her mm -hmm. compared to Sharzad and her father. So in the very in the last parts of the book, Charlotte's father Jahander, Jahander, mm -hmm. I don't know how to pronounce that. He basically takes this spell from this magic book. And he creates this giant storm. Mm -hmm. But earlier in the book, you can see him like opening the book and like the whole scene where he killed the bunny. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming that that the rain coming down was him practicing. But oh, see, okay. I think that's a really great parallel because Khalid's first wife, Ava, the reason, mm -hmm. the whole reason for the, the whole curse source of this curse, yeah, was because of her father. Mm -hmm. He's the one who who sacrificed his life to give this curse to Khalid, and then. Once it seems like the, like the curse is weakening, it's because of Sharzad's father who is bringing the rains down, who's bringing oh, okay. the storms. That's interesting. I actually never thought of it like that before. There, are, there aren't a lot of things that I didn't like about the book. I actually, I, like, like I said, I really liked it, but I seriously wish that she added Ursa more to the story. Oh, I actually didn't mind it. I think. Well, it's hard because just as a little background info for everyone, I've read the sequel. Kami hasn't yet. I have not. But, and this is this is not a spoiler, but I think Ursa was simply mentioned in this book so she could be a part of the sequel. I didn't mind not having her in this book, personally. Which sounds bad, but I mean it plot-wise, I felt like the story was already brimming with plot lines. Not in a bad way, but to add another one into the mix may have been a little jostling. You said this before that you didn't really like Despina. Yeah, for some reason, and it's not that I didn't hate Despina. As a character, I felt like she was an acquaintance to me. For some reason, I wasn't exactly involved with her. For me, I think I connected to her a little bit more than you did. I liked the fact that she kind of sassed Charlotte back. But I will say, I don't know what happens in the next book, but I didn't understand why her being pregnant was prevalent to the story. Is that something that, that is addressed in the sequel? Mm, well, it's hard because I don't want to spoil the sequel for you. Yeah. But I will say this. Despina was a strong enough character on her own that her being pregnant or not really didn't matter to me. But her being pregnant was what was physical proof that she was linked to Jalal. But see, I think that the author could have done that just by like 
them having secret canoodles or canoodles. Canoodle? <laughs> Canoodling. I don't know why hey. I thought of that word first. Hey, Jalal. <laughs> Do you want to go canoodle? Now there's one person we haven't talked about. Jalal. I love Jalal. Oh. I just, I typically do, I would say he's the more comic relief character and I always typically like that character. I thought his presence was comforting. Yeah. I loved when, he's, when he was in the scene. I loved how, despite everything, and you know, Jalal had the backstory of the curse, so he knew it wasn't something Khaled was willingly doing. But I loved still how he was fighting for Khalid. He, he didn't want Khalid to succumb to his own suffering, his own guilt. He was there for Khalid, and he'd always be there for Khalid. I loved Jalal's relationship with Shahrazad. I very loved it. Brother sister, very, very brother precious. Sister. Like he did, he felt protective over her, mm -hmm. but he also knew that she could fight her own battles. Mm -hmm. I also liked how he tried in any way he could to spare her from any horrors she might see. You know, yeah. the killing of the assassins. Mm -hmm. He is the friend, he is the brother, he's the person you wish you could have in your life. He always trusted Charizard. Always trusted Even her. in the end, where the situation, if you look at it, would be very much against her. Yes. It looks like she's just been sabotaging this whole thing. He's just... He's the MVP. He is the MV MVP of the story. Yes! Let's make this a thing. The MVP of the Wrath and the Dawn, Jalal. Absolutely. Al Curry. I really liked his last name, actually. I did. It really like, out, of, out of Out of all of the names in this story, the, his was my Jalal favorite. Curry. Yeah, it just flowed so really good. well. Another part of the story that we haven't quite mentioned yet is kind of like the political affairs between, what is it, Coruscant and Parthia? Mm. So basically, the Sultan of Parthia, he is Khalid's uncle, and they have a very rocky relationship. Terse. Very terse yes. indeed. Yes. Basically, the Sultan of Parthia wants to take over Coruscant because he doesn't think that Khalid is suited to being king because of his mother. Well, he also thinks that Khalid is not even the rightful heir. He calls Khalid's mother whore and speculates that Khalid isn't even the real Caliph's son. Which, you know, becomes an issue because mm -hmm. he is currently the Caliph of Coruscant. And I really like the way that she wrote that into the story and also how she ended the story with Shiva's father and the Sultan of Parthia meeting up to kind of destroy Khalid. Mm -hmm. And I, I liked that little, that, that entry into it because mm -hmm. you, kind, you kind of meet Shiva's father mm -hmm. and you know he's making plans with Tariq and Rahim, but you don't really expect it to go... The way that it did. And I just, I really, I especially loved the interactions between Shahrazad and the Sultan of Parthia. Oh. And how like sassy oh. she was. I love the fact that she, she was very sassy. She's very snarky. But I also like the fact that in that, that she had to come back for everything kind of shows her intelligence. The author does kind of describe her as having more regal features. Mm -hmm. But I love that in her actions and the way that she interacts, not even with the Sultan of Parthia, though I did love that interaction, mm -hmm. but also just with the rest of the characters, she does seem like a queen. She is 
a queen even though she wasn't born into it. Like, mm-hmm. this is a world that she was brought into, but she is... She was a queen before the title. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. I also love the fact... That, I think I've mentioned this too before, but I love the fact that she was described as small. I don't oh. know why, but that just made me so happy. I was like, this small girl with probably a very beautiful face, she can be this very powerful, very snarky, very... What's the word I'm She can for? have a very large presence despite her stature she makes her presence known being perceived as small most people take it as you are powerless you are weak but it is not the it is not your stature that matters you know i mean i think you know obviously i'm not saying you're short but i am taller than you <laughs> you are you that's true uh, significant and, so. and i'm not meaning to brag about that <laughs> I am taller than you, but you're, you, whenever I speak to you, whenever I stand by you, I always think you're the same height as me because that's what you radiate. Really? Yeah. That just made my day. But you know what else is kind of my favorite thing in this story? What? Is that everyone's taller than Khalid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another thing I wanted to talk about was Yasmin's character. Because typically when they introduce a character like her, they kind of give her a villain feel. This almost kind of saying like this type of girl is not the type of girl you want to be. But I love the fact that they gave her kind of, that the author gave her that kind of, that kind of image. Mm -hmm. But she still made her seem intelligent. Like Mm -hmm. she was still an actual character. Like she had depth to her. Like she was the son, she was the, sorry, not the son, the daughter (laughs) Mm -hmm. of the sultan. And I let I love her interaction with Shazi because even though they know that they're enemies, they still have this mutual respect. They have this mutual respect for each other, mm-hmm. and I really appreciated that scene. My other ones, I wanted to talk about the morning after. I like how on your paper you wrote it in quotation marks. <laughs> for me, like the the one thing that I loved the most was Despina describing Khalid. Going into the gardens, picking out a single rose, and the entire palace knowing about it. Though, I will say one thing that I wished. I wished he was there with her the morning after. I would have loved, you know, a morning scene where they are just relaxed with each other. And I just would have adored that. But I did enjoy what was presented. I I ate it up, of course. Like his his little letter to her, like describing his favorite color and all the things that she told him that she wanted to know. That they're gross. I've actually never had a fig. Oh, I think they're so gross. What do they? Are they? They look like an avocado, right? Are we thinking of the same thing? Do I know what a fig is? <laughs> but also, just like the fact that he thought of her and like what? brought her back a rose. I'm sorry, but the, I'm I sorry have to, not had a fig. I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is what a fig looks like. That actually kind of oh. looks delicious. No, it looks like... It kind of looks like a pomegranate. It looks like a nightmare to me. Kind of like a pomegranate. There... <laughs> anyway, anyway, I just, I love that fact. And I love that he left that letter and just like that combined with Despina's whole thing, like her comedic kind of comment, mm-hmm. which just it really like bound it all together for me. There was such a sense of just peace in it, which I really loved. Omar's character. So for me, he kind of seems like a mentor character to Tariq. And I kind of like the fact that he 
didn't want to involve himself in the war effort. Mm-hmm. I, I like I actually really like appreciated him for that because typically the mentor character would like give all of their support, mm-hmm. but he was like, no, I have my own people to think mm-hmm. about, and I loved that about him. But I also thought that the certain interaction between Omar and Tariq, where he's kind of questioning his motives for bringing this war, and he's like. Are you just gonna do it for this one girl? And he's like, I love love stories. And then he tells a story of the stars. Him, of the stars. He's like, as a child, I used to f- follow falling stars, and I would run and run and run, and I would never catch them. And like to this day, I still have to stop myself from chasing after falling stars. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think that was kind of like another way that the author kind of started pushing towards Shazin Khalid instead of Shazin mm-hmm. Tariq. Like, in this book, like, I definitely think that even though Tariq is technically part of the love triangle, it was most definitely just between Shazi and Khalid. Now, what did you think about the Rajput? I was re- I was kind of I was sad that he died. You just, you originally <laughs> think of him as just like this basically like hulking muscle wall person, right? And then there's that scene where Khalid is teaching Shazi kind of how to wield the sword. And then he kind of like gives her like a tip. Like he like pushes her foot back and like starts like, n- like gesturing her to her, put her to head up, put her head up and everything. And it's like, yeah, he doesn't say a lot, but he like, he has like those tiny little moments, those tiny ones that kind of like creep into your heart. And then he dies. Like, why, why do you have that look on your face? No reason. But I think we should also talk about the ending because the ending ripped me apart. Kate, okay, because there's whole, there's, okay, at the very end, the city was destroyed. It's set aflame by the storm, by the, the storm. Uh, Tariq came and he tried and he rescued, rescued. He took Sharzad away from the mm-hmm. palace. They were stopped by Jalal and then they see the destruction of the city and then Jalal's like, oh, you can go ahead and take her. Right? Yeah. And Jalal acknowledges that Shazi isn't willingly going with Tariq, but he knows it will be safer for her if she does. But what really tore me apart was the letter that Khalid started to write Mm -hmm. on the morning where Shahrazad was almost killed Mm -hmm. and finished. Mm Mm-hmm. The ve- but and she never the- saw the finish. She never no. saw the finish. That's only something that the readers mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. That the last part of his um, letter tore me apart. Let, let's let's venture there. Let us See, take a journey. Yes, because because home. he writes it and then he burns it, Kami. He burns it. He burns it. And I was oh, it's just it kind of hurt my heart a little bit. So. I'm reading the continued part that he wrote that yeah. Sharzad never read. Mm-hmm. When I think of you, I can't find the air to breathe. And now, though you are gone, there's no pain or fear. All I am left with is gratitude. When I was a boy, my mother would tell me that one of the best things in life is the knowledge that your story isn't over yet. Our story may have come to a close, but your story is yet to be told. Make it a story worthy of you. I failed you in one last thing. Here's my chance to rectify it. It was never because I didn't feel it. It was because I swore I would never say it. And, and a man is nothing if he can't keep his promises. So I will ride it to the sky. I love you a thousand times over. And I will never apologize for it. Khalid. Oh Alternatively, my gosh. though it sounds less romantic, DJ Khaled. Oh my gosh. 
Taylor at the beginning, she pronounced it Khalid, and then we saw the a video of the author, and she pronounced it Khalid. Mm-hmm. And I think it blew Taylor's mind a little bit. To be fair, though, I do have a repu- <laughs> reputation of always pronouncing things wrong. So this wasn't too much of a surprise to me. In fact, <laughs> I, I expected it. <laughs> I thought I thought it would be Tariq, though. I was pronouncing well, wrong. I thought it was Tariq or something. <laughs> so when it was Khalid, I was thinking, oh, man, DJ Khaled. I had so many jokes ready for that, but I can't use them anymore. So for in this last passage of this letter the one thing that kind of like hurt my heart was the line where he says our story may have come to a close he believes he will never see her again yeah mm-hmm. and that's the saddest part to me and the fact that he accepts it he accepts the fact that he'll never see her again but he still wants her to have her own story and it's almost as though he has a certain peace with it because he says all i am left with is gratitude yeah so it's kind of like He knows she's gone, he accepts it, and he's just going to kind of let it go. And it's interesting, too, because although I do find the ladder, sorry, the ladder, the letter sad, I do not feel sadness within it, if that makes sense. I feel his gratitude. I don't, when he says, our story may have come to a close, but your story is still yet to be told, he's not saying, I, at least this is me, this is how I'm translating it in my head. He's not saying that, you know, with tears in his eyes, tears streaming down his face with, you know, an overwhelming amount of just pure sorrow in his heart. He's saying it with the hope for her, a gratitude for having knowing her and the hope that she may continue on in all her brilliance and conquer the world as she conquered him in a sense. That was a beautiful way of stating that. Kimmy. <laughs> I don't, I don't so know. For me, I can I can definitely I agree with what you say, but for me as a reader, it tears my heart apart. Oh yeah, Kimi, of course. If you listen to my chest right now, there would be nothing inside. All my just like shattered heart pieces just like coming out. Just like, oh, no longer there anymore. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those letters that you have to eat a Ben and Jerry's after to just help sate your the hole growing in your chest. That's you need ice cream you. after this, man. You <laughs> need ice cream. Yeah. I think of romance is good when you come to a letter like this and you think and you hope that maybe one day someone would feel so passionately about you that they would write a letter as beautiful. Now we all know that's not gonna happen. Never, (laughs) ever gonna happen. Like, me reading just, I mean, this book, but also other just YA novels in general, has raised my standard of of what a boy should be so freaking high. It's ridiculous. This is an interesting thing about the story. Typically, you know, when you read a romance book, you want the love interest to be in your life. You want to be with the love interest. But this is one of those books where I actually want Shazzy to be the one with Khalid. Yeah, she she wove it in a manner where they can only be with each other. They they are soulmates to me. And even me and all of my rambunctious desires and for my own want for Khalid, I know that he is at greater peace with her. As as if as if he's like as if, as, as, if, as if we had a chance together of <laughs> being Khalid. I mean, come on. Oh <laughs> I mean, I think you could 
get with him if he wasn't fictional. Oh, thank you, Katie. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's the sweetest thing. <laughs> you don't think he'd kill me instantly? Um, if he got past that, <laughs> then... If he got past the first five minutes of meeting you, then maybe. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on Kiwi and the Bird for our book discussion episode on The Wrath and the Dawn by Renee Adia. We hope that you will join us in our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. On both Twitter and Instagram, we go by the handle at Kiwi and the Bird. And, and remember, remember, like a library, at Kiwi and the Bird, shh, happens. If you stuck around this long, get ready for some bloopers. Say it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Do it now. So from Ikumi. Getting down and funky. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever anyone's taller than me, I'm always like, but I'm the alpha. <laughs> I sound like a child. <laughs> Sorry. I got... I'm I'm enthralled in a kiss right now. I'll be with you in just a second. <laughs> you read on, didn't you? <laughs> I will say though, I was really tempted to read the kiss scene again. I really was. Well, all of a sudden, I was just wrapped up in it, Kimi. <laughs> ho ho ho! You messed with the wrong girl, buddy. <laughs> You're gonna wish you only had until the dawn to survive my wrath, man. Um, but then he'd kill me instantly. Yeah, no chance. Yeah. I'd, I would tell one joke. <laughs> one pun. <laughs> I wouldn't even get the pun all the way out. He would just... Because I, I, I'm a sucker for those childhood sweetheart stories. Just like watching a person grow and develop into the person that they are. That's something that's very precious to someone. Mm -hmm. I don't really know it. But I, I imagine that's that's the feeling that you would get. You know what, Kimmy? You do know it. And you know why? Why? Because you've read books. That doesn't count, though. It sounds a little sad when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> do I like carrot cake? You know, I hated carrot cake when I was a kid. Mm. But I grew up. And, I like the frosting. And my taste buds got more boring. And so I began to think <laughs> <laughs> became more boring. Yeah, as I grew up, my taste buds did too. And now I'm like an adult and I eat everything gross. Actually... You know what's kind of crazy though? What? Hated cashews as a kid. Thought they tasted like butt. Wow. But Kami, in the last two months, I've eaten cashews and I love them. See, that's really funny to me because they kind of taste like peanut butter to me and you love peanut butter. I know. I'm just as surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just as surprised as you are. Maybe it's because my family's been trying to eat really healthy, but I ate a cashew and it reminded me of pasta. What? The entire time I've been friends with Taylor, this entire time, whenever we stood next to each other, I always felt so small and I'm just always just like looking up at people, trying to like make myself known. And I think that's part of the reason why my voice has now become so loud because I want to, my presence to be known. I always thought, oh yeah, it's because I have a really interesting personality and I just demand that presence. No, it's because my voice is very loud. <laughs> no, no. But I think it should just remain a tradition that we never let the podcast know how tall I am. Oh, let's let's let, do it. Like, let's let them guess, you know, are you 6'5"? <laughs> are you 7'10"? I don't know. I'm never going to say it, but I will say this one thing, and I'll make this quick. 
But when Kami and I were in high school, <laughs> we'd walk through the halls. And of course, if you've ever been in a high school hallway, which I'm assuming, you know, a lot of people listening have, there's a lot of people. It's easy to lose track of your bearings. Oh, it's gosh. easy to be swept up in the sea. I know what you're going to say. And so Kami, I would I would walk in front of Kami and I would and I had my backpack on and this particular backpack had a long tassel that would that would draw it close. And Kami would always hold on to that little tassel <laughs> so that she wouldn't I, get lost. Okay, those crowds were, they were very big and like the, they were moving around and there were a lot of people. And even though Taylor, I would consider Taylor to be tall, I would, we would get lost. And so the only way that I would not be lost in the crowd is by holding on to her tassel. And I remember one time... I was walking because I didn't know you did that for a really long time. I and did I that remember for so long. One time I was walking and it felt like someone was tugging my back. <laughs> so I look behind me and it's just your arm. <laughs> I can't be seeing you. You're being too blocked by people and it's just your arm holding on to the tassel. See, it worked. I never lost you because I always hold, held on to the tassel. So in life, moral of the story, hold on to the tassel. Exactly. Kami, I'm about to throw up on myself. <laughs> I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> you can do this. No, I think that's it. <laughs> and usually I'm down three pints of Men and Jerry's before I think I should start. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> How did we get drunk in the last five minutes? <laughs> I mean, this is a new thing for us. It's a completely new thing. We usually have to squeeze our butts. What? Our butts. I'm an adult. <laughs> I was going to Michael Scott it up and just burn my foot on a grill. I'll be the Dwight to your Michael if you want. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That would be much appreciated. You but could help me clean the foot off the grill. Only if I get to eat some. <laughs> And remember, like a library, at no shell control. <laughs> Kami, I wanted to talk to you about this book so bad that I debated eating a bottle of mustard. I wanted to dunk my head in a toilet. That I've debated swallowing an eight ball from a pool table. Lathering my body with butter and going down a slide and never coming back. That I've debated gluing wigs to my body so that I could be like Chewbacca. <laughs> That I've debated microwaving myself in an easy-bake oven. Sticking your head into maggots. That I've debated swallowing a pear hole. <laughs> what? Pear. Taylor, I've been wanting to talk to you about this so bad that I would have eaten bacon off of a white, middle-aged, pot-bellied man. His stomach? <laughs> Is his stomach the plate? The plate. Let's hope so. <laughs> Taking up the pastime of juggling grapes. That was how impatient I was. You juggle? Wow. Did you do three at a time? I did the whole vine at <laughs> once. Did <laughs> you just throw it in the air and cut it with your other hand? That's how juggling <laughs> works. <laughs> that I would have drop kicked Baby Yoda into the galaxy next over. But he's so cute. Oh, I know. <laughs> Even but though his little insect eyes are the creepiest things I've ever seen. Baby Yoda. 
the look in his eyes of like spiders like, ooh, go get ya! <laughs> that I would have planted myself in the ground, waited 10 years to become a tree, and dropped an apple on your head just to prove to you how much I wanted to talk to you about this book. You would have newtoned me? You would have Isaac newtoned me? You would have discovered gravity. Man, I'd make some bank off of that. Or I would have been sacrificed for being a woman. Well, you're a few hundred years late. That <laughs> <laughs> I've debated slurs. <laughs> I just <laughs> all over you and I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> talk to you about this book so bad I almost put a pool stick up my ink <laughs> like you don't already <laughs> this is the pleasure of it Uranus <laughs> oh, I can do it <laughs> I just didn't get the giggles out just leave it oh I'm crying a little I'm so sorry that's my fault no it's okay <laughs> okay